Welcome to this week's episode of the Monaco Podcast. That's right, I'm not Thomas. I'm Cutcraft, host of Spec Weekly, doing a special little bit here while Thomas is out on a private jet, sipping champagne. Just kidding. He's probably just as wrecked as everyone else. But I'm not the reason why today's episode is special. Because today, we have a man who needs no introduction, a face we're all familiar with, a face I've come to love, the one... The only Dominic Sheena. Hey Dom, welcome to the Monaco podcast. Hey, hey, good craft. <laughs> how, how, how are you doing? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. It, it's funny that you pronounced it the way you did. There was a guy from the Netherlands once who uh, private sent me a private message on Instagram saying, "Hey, do you know what? <laughs> do you know what "cut" means?" <laughs> I was like, "No." And then I <laughs> and then I looked it up on Google. I was like, "Oh shit! I should have chosen a better name." <laughs> nah, doing good, man. Doing good. I always give you compliments for your online pseudonym. I always find it very hard to find one for myself because it's always just like revolves around my name, you know, Dom, S-C-H, <laughs> stuff like that. Did you have any that weren't Dom related? Like something with 69 in it or what? Yeah, yeah, of course. With the X's and the dashes and the stuff you do when you're 12. <laughs> what, was it? what was the first online platform that you signed up? For me, for me, I think it was ICQ when I was like 13 or 14. It was the first online platform I signed up to. Yeah, it must have been like an IRC platform somewhere, probably. And then it was obviously, obviously deep into gaming, like gaming forums and stuff like that. I used to find a lot of stuff on IRC, man. I used to get a lot of... And I'll edit, I'll edit. <laughs> if this is illegal by Thomas' standards, I used to find a lot of passwords to some naughty websites when I was young using IRC, man. It was, uh, it was a good place to be. Sharing is caring. So, Dom, before we start, um, let's go back to one of the first smart contract POCs. And the POC I'm talking about is IOTA Roulette. And I just want to sort of touch on gambling on IOTA. Um, it's not something that's really been talked about too much. And I think it's something with great potential to bring a lot of volume and a lot of users and a lot of use cases to you know the IOTA and the Shimmer ecosystem. Is this something that's on your radar? Is it something that you guys have spoken about internally? Anyone approached you? Anything like that? Yeah, yeah. No, it's a very interesting question because I've been thinking deeply about it. And I've been thinking more about it from like a moral perspective and like mm. the ethics behind it. Because as mm -hmm. you said, I think gambling has a lot of potential on, on IOTA because the platform is sort of built um, to help these um, these dApps to scale better, right? For one, we have fee-less transactions on day one. For another, we have the native randomness in our smart contracts, which means that those um, uh, operators can uh, make fairer and cheaper um, decentralized applications, right? Because the random uh, functions are really a core part of, of, of a dApp. And the way that the dApps work today is that they actually source this randomness from an external smart contract, sometimes from Chainlink and stuff like that. And all of that costs fees, right? And it's also more inefficient and also sometimes insecure. Um, so I think overall, IOTA is really destined for this stuff. But um, ultimately, we don't want to judge what's being built on top of IOTA. Um, I think our role as the IOTA Foundation and our role in the community is really to make sure that we, we pursue the full spectrum, so to say, so that we can also figure out what has the most potential. I'm very excited about sort of NFT uh, games where you also have a betting component, like for example, mm -hmm. sim racing. I, I, I'm a person, you know, like when I play poker, I can only play, po play poker if you put like 50 or 100 euro bet in, right? <laughs> yeah, me too, man. I can't do it for free stuff. Yeah, yeah, I'm exactly the same. If, if, if you're doing it for free, like it's, it, it kind of gets boring after five minutes because you're like- It doesn't hurt to lose. It, it's got to hurt to lose. Yeah, for sure. Exactly, exactly. And I think like 50 or 100 euros is like the, the pain point. After that, it's, it's really gambling. <laughs> uh, um, um, but I think like for, for esports, you know, and for sim racing, I would really love to think about setting up, like work also with the community to set up a sort of like betting platform for those games, mm -hmm. because you can participate yourself in those games, right? And if you're really good, you can potentially even earn price money. And on the other hand, if you really know your, your, your players and if you know who you're betting on, you can also make money. Okay. So sim racing is kind of like fantasy football. Is that the yeah. idea? Yeah, exactly. Right. Like, 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 like for example, Formula One, you know, Assetto, mm -hmm. Corsa, those type of games. 
Yeah, yeah. They're very popular. They're very popular because, you know, you don't need a, a fancy interface or fancy graphics for them. You know, it's all kind of data and knowledge based. You know, how much do you know about the sport? Yeah. And um, then again, yeah, you can make some decisions based on past performances as well. Yeah, yeah, totally. Oh, that's totally. very interesting. Yeah, I'm the same, dude. Like, I, I'm very unlucky, very unlucky when it comes to gambling. Um, I've got some stories. Where I haven't lost a lot of money, but I've done stupid things to lose money. So I don't promote or condone gambling because I'm so shit at it. But as we're talking about it, I didn't even know about that randomness element to, to it all. I didn't know that it was outsourced with, with other chains that are doing it. So what, what, what you're saying is that the, the randomness is built into Viota protocol? Yeah, like it's one of the uh, sort of, it's like a randomness beacon that is being provided by our smart contract solution, right? And so this randomness is actually needed for our smart contract solution to come to consensus. And wow. so we actually expose this to the to the ecosystem. So everybody has access to this randomness function as well for free, basically, which is quite a, 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 a USP, so to say. But it's one that's very technical, right? It's really for builders. Oh, for sure. Is it unique? Like, is this unique to our ecosystem or do other chains have it as well? I think, I think maybe Algorand has it. I don't, I, I don't really know, but I think, I think it's very unique to our, our, our chain. Hell yeah, man. That's really, I, I didn't know about that. So this is enlightening to me and it's very exciting. And, and obviously gambling applications need that uh, randomness function, right? So it's, it's much better on a Yoda band. Okay. But um, I think I like, like, I like, I like it when it's sort of like skill-based, you know, not the slot machines and stuff like that, because I think that's just robbing people. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. And with, with sim racing, there's an, a strong element of skill or, or at least knowledge. Yeah. It's, mm. it's like you're paying an entry ticket as well. Yes. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I really like that idea and how you tied it to NFTs as well, where yeah. you can sort of gamify NFTs and, and maybe introduce a token um, with it all, you know? Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, I'm getting excited already, man. Like it's, only, <laughs> it's only been five minutes. This is very good. Um, <laughs> so I might uh, just ruin everyone's mood then. <laughs> Everyone listening. Let's go into uh, questions. Yeah, straight away, dude. I'm gonna I'm gonna bring up the question of exchanges. Yeah. Okay. So I'm gonna give you my sub story. And what broke my heart is that after Chrysalis, there was no big exchange that that listed Iona. You know, and I. Took out the loan, I bought my IOTA, and then I got a little bit wrecked, right? So my hope is still there that uh, the work is still being done with the big exchanges. And I was hoping that maybe you can touch on what the foundation's efforts are and, you know, if there's still challenges that we need to overcome before we get listed, you know, are you guys in talks? Yeah, of course, of course. So, so basically what Chris Salas was meant to do is it was meant to remove all of the bad technical debt that we had in the protocol, right? Like if you remember uh, one-time signatures, which were like mm -hmm. two kilobytes big and you could only use them once and all this complexity that was in the protocol that wasn't really technically sound anymore was removed. And so we, we really up, upgraded the protocol completely so that it's much easier for users, much more user-friendly, and also much easier for those that want to integrate IOTA. And it was a huge effort just to get the exchanges, to coordinate with them, to upgrade to IOTA. If you remember, Binance was like, I don't know, four months late. Yeah. And I think at that moment, we also realized that this isn't about technology, it's really about who you know and how good you okay. know them. Right? And so it, it always, you, you go into this with these sort of assumptions that um, if, if you achieve this, that will happen, right? And so for us, it, it was always in our mind that when we achieve Chrysalis, we will be able to get bigger exchanges to actually support IOTA because it's much simpler to integrate. It took like, I don't know, a couple of days for this, for this Turkish exchange to integrate um, IOTA then, which was quite a, a confidence booster, right? But with the really big exchanges, they're, they're really driven by politics, many of them which just makes it impossible to compete. And if you, if you remember, right, we did Chrysalis, I think 2020, that was like at the start of the bull market. And then all of the other changes really took, uh, chains really took priority in their queue. Mm -hmm. And so it was a mix of overconfidence, I would say, and uh, being deprioritized in the queues because all the other chains, the, all, all the other new EVM chains simply got priority. And, um, I think now with Shimmer, we're trying to, to make up for that really because we have an ecosystem that can back it as well. So we are, we are, we are trying to already now speak with all those big exchanges to get them to support it. And I think the current market environment makes it easier to do that 
because in a in a in a, in a bull market, every, everything is driven by hype and everything is driven by narratives. And if you remember, IOTA back then didn't have any smart contracts. It didn't have any DeFi ecosystem. So if you if you as an exchange think about integrating a DeFi ecosystem versus a, a token that um, has just recently upgraded towards yeah. a standard in crypto, it's kind of like an easy decision to make, right? It does make sense, yeah, when you frame it like that. And I think that's a lot of us overlook that kind of reasoning. You know, how does an exchange reason to to list a token over another? And, and look, when like, you we're frame not it like pay, that, yeah, we're, we're not going to pay half a million dollars in listing fees or half a million dollars in marketing expenses. So there are listing there are listing fees. Yeah, for most of them, there are. Holy crap, I didn't know. Again, that's another thing that, you know, um, there were always assumptions, right? So the people in the community always think, yeah, we'll just pay to get listed. And in my head, I'm thinking, is that how it works? But now this is confirmation that it actually does. So, and that's to pay, do you think, for resources to build the integration? Or is it kind of like, uh, you know, I'll grease your, I'll grease your palms if you, and, and to become part of your little, your secret society kind of thing? I think, I think it's now being positioned as sort of like marketing expenses to right. promote the listing. But many of these exchanges, they, they, they obviously can charge these ridiculous fees because it's like a, a very tight, small market of exchanges that actually have a lot of the trading volume. So they're in a position to charge it for some projects. And so what are you supposed to do? <laughs> yeah, right. No, exactly. Yeah. And as a foundation, let's just say that, you know, the IOTA Foundation is a nonprofit organization. You legally would have trouble with even paying them to get listed. Would, of course. would that be a thing? Of course, right. of course. Like every 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 expense that we have with the IOTA Foundation in Germany is being scrutinized by the sort of finance authorities. Right. So even even sometimes employee-related expenses are being scrutinized. So so we have to be very careful with what we do. So they've got like a real microscope, a real microscope under you guys, as they they wouldn't have for any other organization, like a regular corporate. Exactly. Market. Like like like. Maybe, maybe, maybe just to give some background here, right? Because I think this is kind of important for people to also realize is like when we started IOTA, we, we went into this um, thinking that we will be able to get adoption for DLT through our work with uh, companies, right? The real world, so to say, outside of the crypto world. And for us, it was always important to have a, a very legitimate and regulated entity that would be pushing uh, for his adoption, right? And, and that's what the IOTA Foundation is, right? It was, it's, it's a regulated entity in Germany. It has a, a, a very high reputation, especially in government sectors. Like that's why we were able to get some of these grants and work with the European Commission, work with big companies and stuff like that. So it worked out in that regard. But if you think about the crypto world, the crypto world basically works on regulatory arbitrage, right? So that means that as a, as a crypto company, you're basically fungible, like you're able to move your assets around depending on where you are most favorably uh, regulated, right? Nobody knows where the headquarter of Binanceville is, right? Now, now it's in Dubai, but before it was in Malta, then it was in Cayman, then it was in Singapore and stuff like that. So these companies are able to move around and most of our competitors, you know, the layer one networks, they're either in the BVI, so British Virgin Islands, or they're in, on Cayman Islands, or some of them are also on, in Dubai, now where they pay 0% taxes and where they are not being scrutinized. Right? And so you have a, a project like IOTA that is trying to compete in the crypto market where everybody is sort of free to do whatever they want to do. So mm -hmm. there, there, there was this clash of what can you actually achieve? And, and I, I really like this quote where it's don't hate the players, but learn the game. So mm -hmm. I think for us, it was, this was also a realization that the IOTA Foundation serve, serves a very clear purpose but with IOTA Foundation, you cannot compete in the crypto market, right? And, yeah. and so that's why yeah. we set up this, this new entity in Switzerland and, and some new structures around that. Is there, well, I mean, it, it seems to me that the, the IOTA protocol is going to sit under the foundation indefinitely, 10, 20, 30 years down the track. Are there angles that we can take to sort of move away from the restrictions that are placed on the foundation by setting up some other structures where you can freely do a little bit more marketing, et cetera, or are we kind of just stuck? No, exactly. That is what we, like, that's what we've done basically with this new Swiss entity. So it's an association in German, it's called Verein. And this association is really there to promote the Tangle ecosystem. So that includes IOTA, it includes Shimmer, it includes uh, Assembly, right? 
So this entity is really there to promote the ecosystem and help it to grow. So that while the IOTA Foundation may uh, in the future be responsible for the core development, the Swiss entity is then going to be responsible for the growth of the, of the protocol and of the ecosystem around it. So, so there we then, like we don't have any of these restrictions anymore. Yeah, that's so we can actually give out grants and do marketing and stuff like that. That's very exciting. Yeah. So, so in terms of getting that funded, like what's your approach to that? Like, can you use any funds that we've generated through the IOTA ecosystem or do you have to generate brand new funds from VCs, from other types of investors? What's what's the approach to get money flowing through that entity? Every, every IOTA token that we have in Germany, right, under the German Foundation or under our EDF, so the Ecosystem Development Fund, which is a subsidiary of the foundation as well, it's tainted, so to say, right? Mm. That money can only be spent for the purpose of the foundation, right? Uh, so it's very limited on what we can do with those assets. And, and that is fine, right? I think, I think those assets are clearly going to be used for the core development. Anything that falls out of that, which includes marketing, which includes ecosystem funding and stuff like that, has to be funded through new sources. And mm-hmm. for example, with Shimmer, um, uh, the community, uh, luckily, or... Uh, I think you say gratefully, right? Gratefully uh, voted to set up an ecosystem fund. So now this ecosystem fund sits in the Swiss association and then we can do with it um, what we what we think is best to help the ecosystem grow. Fantastic. All right, that's, that's really good. Yeah, I think it's really important for us as a community to wrap our heads around how tightly regulated this nonprofit organization is and how little you can do with that money. Yeah. You know, I, I saw someone on Twitter comment about, oh, you're, you're spending money funding universities. It's like, well, and then I saw, I think it was Hans maybe replied that, well, that's pretty much one of the only things that we can do is fund okay. research through. <laughs> yeah. So I think it's important for everyone kind of to, to get that idea, um, you know, flourishing in their minds that um, the foundation just can't, can't market can't pay for sort of for-profit projects and, and that kind of thing that really pushes other projects along, like um, with Cardano, for example. They've got a whole organization that's funded to the tits, man. Like it's got a lot of money that they can just throw at shit and, 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 and build their ecosystem. So that's what, by the sounds of things, that's kind of like what we're going to start building now. You know? Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And, and, and I think it's important to realize that now with this new structure, we, we we can be much more competitive in this market because just having the this German structure wouldn't make us competitive, right? And so we, we also had to rethink all this. So, and we did a lot of thinking, by the way, because it oh, was I'm like, sure we did. do like a German for-profit entity, but if you have a German for-profit entity, you're again limited because it's a subsidiary and moving, you know, like there's this whole like tax and legal implications if you move assets out and stuff like that. So, but I think this is the best approach. Well, I agree, and I, and I'm happy it's 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 happening. And um, look, at just on the marketing front, is there any kind of lessons learned that you guys have observed from other ecosystems that you can bring into IOTA that you want to bring in, or are you just gonna try new things? Like, well, what's what's your ideas here? I think I think we want to try new things. Um, I would never. I think the community always says we need more marketing, right? And I find it very hard to distill very clearly what is meant with that, like. Because there's a difference between advertising and marketing, right? Yes. Yeah. Are we supposed yeah. to now run uh, train ads in on German railways? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Talking about IOTA and stuff like that. Or what do you guys mean with marketing? And I think it would be very interesting if some people actually in the community also wrote some proposals, right? Like that's why we have the governance forum now where everybody is supposed to like we, we like we're supposed to uh, put our brains together and and push iota forward right and everybody should be empowered to do that and so if you guys have some ideas about marketing please uh please please share that for me marketing means to create more awareness through events right i would really want mm-hmm. to do more hackathons specifically yeah yeah in the monaco podcast i heard miko mention that that would be a good idea for iota to get involved in yeah yeah, yeah, I think I think that would be really uh, good. I think we can also create more awareness by being relevant in in this space, sponsoring events. I wouldn't sponsor the soccer teams or whatever, right? That's kind of kind of ridiculous. But 
um, helping the ecosystem to grow, right? Really marketing focused around developers and marketing focused around builders in our ecosystem, creators and stuff like that. So that we can support them. And so I think if we give out grants to people um, and they then help to promote and share the message of IOTA, I think, I think that's also a form of marketing, right? Hell yeah. I, I um, read recently something that was brand new to me. I think it's pay to learn. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Peter L. I thought that was a really good idea. I'd never thought about it before where you pay devs to learn to use IOTA and build on IOTA. I thought, okay, that's very interesting. An interesting approach to it anyway. Yeah, you can have like a certification system around it as well. And those people can then uh, better find jobs, right? And uh, work in the ecosystem, stuff like that. So I think that's cool. Hell yeah. So I'm going back a couple of questions. Uh, how's things going with the exchanges? Are you guys still working with the exchanges? Um, is there news? Is there development? How's that going? Yeah, so the main thing at the moment is to get them to work on Shimmer, on the Shimmer yeah. listing, right? Because uh, many of them have actually reached out to us about Shimmer. Ooh, okay. So we are, we are like speaking with them, uh, helping them with integration. Right now, it's about coordinating the launch of Shimmer, right? Because uh, from, from a technology standpoint, we are we're pretty much there at this point. I think there's still some, some things in Firefly to do, like, for example, getting the uh, Ledger um, uh, app approved and doing some more testing. But I would say the, the major thing that determines the timeline at the moment is, is um, the exchanges to, to list uh, Shimmer. Is that so? Like, because we want to go live when the exchanges are ready to to list. Is yeah. that the idea? Yeah. No way, dude. That, that wasn't even in my thought process. That's okay. Yeah. Ima imagine the following scenario: we launch Shimmer, and it takes a month for exchanges to list Shimmer. <laughs> and then, yeah, then yeah, yeah. We basically have like a huge angry crowd, i.e., our community, which we love, right? Right. But they would be rightfully pissed <laughs> because now they have a bunch of tokens and they have a network to play with but they can't really do anything in terms of exchanging value, right? And right. for us, the maximum timeframe of launching Shimmer and having an exchange should be one week, right? It should not be more, preferably even just a couple of days. So we launch right. Shimmer Network, but, we bootstrap it, and then the exchange listing happens. We're talking centralized exchanges, because I know the decentralized exchanges are pretty much ready to go. You know, we've got Sooniverse, IOTB, we've got a couple of others that are saying, yeah. you know, we're ready. So you're talking about centralized exchanges, correct, established correct. stuff. Maybe, maybe something important to highlight here about how the Shimmer network will launch, right? Um, first, um, we're, we're going to launch the layer one. And what our layer one is, you can think about it like a parallelized DAG, right? Which means that we can uh, simultaneously confirm transactions. Like that's the whole premise of the Tangle. And we extended this ledger with the native assets framework. So that means that anybody can create, mint, and transfer assets natively on the protocol. Now, why is this exciting is because now we can have um, NFTs with on-chain data, right, which is which is huge, which, which you don't have in other networks, right? NFTs with on-chain data. You can have assets that you can create yourself, like tokenize the real estate. Uh, you can have your Kutcraft uh, coin and all of that on the protocol. We signed an NDA, Don. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, man, go on, go on. Right, and so that's the layer one. So that's, mm -hmm. that's the first phase of the launch. Now, obviously, with this phase, you will have the Shimmer token, and the Shimmer token can then be transferred freely in this network. You will have Firefly, uh, you will have your ledger, and that's sort of the start of the network. Now, what's going to happen after that is we're going to have the exchange listing so that you can actually transfer your assets to exchanges. You can buy and sell Shimmer token, and the price of Shimmer can be established. Because one important thing for our emerging DeFi ecosystem is that we really have a stable Shimmer price. Because if the Shimmer price is very much fluctuating, like it will be on the on the launch day of the, of the centralized exchanges, that will be detrimental to some of these DeFi applications, right? Because they get right. their price from centralized exchanges, and in order to boost the, the liquidity and, and sort of start the, the ecosystem, right? So after after we've done the centralized exchange listing, we're then going to prepare everything for the Shimmer EVM launch. And so with the Shimmer EVM, we're going to have the first, I would call it a blockchain on top of Shimmer, right? Uh, a multi-chain network is sort of like the long-term vision of Shimmer, where you're going to have many, many different blockchains. But the first blockchain that is going to launch on top of Shimmer is the Shimmer EVM. So it's fully EVM compatible. You can uh, use any smart contract that's ever been written on, on Ethereum or any other network. 
sort of launch your DAP on top of Shimmer. So the goal here is with this compatibility to the existing ecosystems that we can more rapidly bootstrap the ecosystem around Shimmer, right? DeFi applications, GameFi, NFTs, and so on and so forth. Like new token utility will then be possible. So with the launch of the Shimmer EVM, the Stardust protocol upgrade is sort of feature complete, right? And with that, Shimmer is then fully utilized, uh, can be fully utilized, and we'll have uh, this ecosystem around Shimmer um, growing, growing up, basically. So that's sort of like the timeline, right? All right. Well, I think I had no idea that we, um, so for me, it was kind of like nice little surprises here and there that uh, a centralized exchange would be considering to, to launch Simmer. But you pointed out that a lot of people in the community kind of expected it. So that, that's interesting that there's a dichotomy with smooth brains like me. They're like, oh, cool, you know? This place is interested in listing Shimmer, whereas there are other people who are a bit more serious and probably like, no, we demand that it gets listed straight away. You know, like, yeah, so yeah, yeah. that's that's interesting um, because I, th that wasn't even on my radar. I was just thinking, hey, I just want my shimmy. You know, like, well, why why aren't these guys <laughs> giving me my shimmy? But now that you're putting it and laying out all the things that are involved with it, like, there's a whole element here of exchange that I didn't even consider. I just thought it was just the tech yeah. isn't ready yet. When it's battle tested, then we'll launch it. But I didn't know that there was a contingency on trying to stabilize the price so that you're also taking care of the DeFi projects that are going to go live. DeFi is obviously going to be probably the biggest use case that we've got on Shimmer for totally. a good six or so months, you know, until it yeah. starts to mature and new pro projects start to port over. So it's interesting that you're taking or looking after these projects that have been building and working hard by first trying to stabilize that price by building some volume on a centralized exchange. Yeah, yeah. Like it's really a prerequisite. That's super. Okay. I didn't even know. Well, that shows how little I know. So that's, yeah, that's very, very interesting, man. Okay. Well, so does that mean then? And you can you don't have to answer this is shimmer then going to take uh kind of like is iota going to take a, a step back and kind of let shimmer try to get launched first on on these centralized exchanges or are you guys going to push for both at the same time still what, what's the what's the idea right so shimmer was born as a staging network for iota and what that means is that shimmer always gets access to these new features first right we have we have a sort of series of of upgrades that we're going to make as part of the IOTA roadmap towards IOTA 2.0, um, which will first be done on Shimmer to make sure, to make sure that it's uh, secure, that it's fully validated, and to also help our ecosystem to get early access to these features so that it can be compatible and build new applications. Right? So Shimmer, if you think about this vision of IOTA, um, Shimmer will always be the one that achieves it, uh, supposed to achieve it first. Right? But IOTA is then the one that will carry it forward. And Shimmer, even though Shimmer will start as a staging network, its long-term evolution uh, is probably going to be that it's going to be an independent layer one network um, in this IO ecosystem, right? So when it comes to the Stardust upgrade, it will first happen on Shimmer. And then a couple of months after that, once we have fully tested and validated it, it will happen on IOTA as well. So IOTA is already listed on all these exchanges. And I think there's also some very exciting ways in which we can tie the growth of Shimmer because Shimmer, quite frankly, will have a lot of growth because of the... The, the new token utility and the new ecosystem on top of it. We can actually tie IOTA to this growth as well by making it possible to bridge your IOTA tokens to the Shimmer networks. So what that means then is that on the Shimmer network, you might have some IOTA liquidity pools where you get um, incentives for providing your IOTA tokens to, to these pools and you can earn yield on, the, on your IOTA tokens. So IOTA is not going to be neglected. I think IOTA is really a core part of this strategy here with Shimmer because with that, we can actually acquire a lot of TVL, right? TVL stands for total value locked. And so like the main metric to measure the size of DeFi protocols. So I think part of our strategy will be to help IOTA tokens bridge over to Shimmer and then offer them uh, new yield opportunities with their tokens. Holy crap, man. This is like 40 chess, dude, the way that you're talking about these, uh, these different protocols linking together in the end. Yep. Um, so what would be the milestone where we sort of start to consider Shimmer as its own independent layer one and IOTA as its own independent layer one? Would it be quarter side? Would it be maybe 3.0 where we get sharding? What would be the point where we started start saying, okay, you were once family, but now you are divorced. Okay, you were once husband and wife, but now you are divorced. You know, <laughs> what would be what would be that milestone where that's considered? Like I think a lot of it really depends on the ecosystem as well, how it grows and how it evolves, because Shimmer as a DAO in its heart as well, right? And the community is supposed to participate in the governance of it as well and help Shimmer grow. I think that's an important part of it. Um, I, I initially was a huge fan of DAOs, but I think 
especially in this bear market, a lot of DAO projects, which is like established DeFi projects, they were also hit with this reality that DAOs are incredibly inefficient, especially when it comes to technology development. So Shimmer is part of this technology roadmap of IOTA for the foreseeable future, right? We have to integrate uh, mana. We have to make multi-chain possible where anybody can deploy their own blockchain network. We have to launch economic incentives for those holding Shimmer tokens and they want to generate mana. We have to um, introduce our leaderless consensus algorithm. We have to think about shared security and the zero knowledge VMs and stuff like that. All of that is going to find its way into the Shimmer network, right? And so Shimmer will be an important puzzle piece in our bigger vision of the future. And I think once we, once we are there at the level of decentralization in terms of the governance of IOTA, where it's not just IOTA Foundation contributing code to the core protocol, but also other players, I think then we can say that maybe Shimmer can start to divert from this technology roadmap of IOTA. You know, anything can be possible on the Shimmer network. And you may have a situation where, where uh, Shimmer is going to be inflationary, but um, IOTA is going to be a fixed supply, right? Like, we want to make it possible for the community to also decide on what should be happening with these networks. And, but at the, for the time being, everything is going to be focused on this technology roadmap. And so after we've achieved that, we can then think about how, how Shimmer will evolve. Well, yeah, you, um, you guys pulled the executive maneuver, the executive decision, and um, sort of paused the idea of making Shimmer inflationary. Um, Give us a little idea of what those conversations are like. I mean, did they just start happening as we're getting closer to the launch? Have they been happening for the last six months? I mean, it, it, it is a strong decision to make. Um, how did it come about and, and are you guys confident in it as well? I think, I think a lot of that has also to do with us being misguided by the market, you know? And I think during a bull market, everybody's chasing yield and nobody's questioning if that yield is sustainable. And at the moment, everybody is thinking about staking rewards as sustainable yield because essentially you're securing the layer one. But quite frankly, we need to ask ourselves this very honest question, is, is proof of stake, is these very high inflationary tokens, are they really sustainable? Because you have some projects like Polkadot, like Kuzamen, and I think some others as well, where, where the inflation is around 10 to 12% per year, mm -hmm. right? And you're in an environment right now where the real world is, is inflationary up to like, I don't know, eight or 9% in Europe at least. And then you have a, a, a sort of alternative financial system that is supposed to compete with the real world, but it just has the same sort of inflation rate as the existing ones. And of course you can argue it's being used to secure the network, incentivize token holders and so on and so forth. But I think, I think many of the people in the foundation, obviously Hans is the biggest advocate for this, um, realize that such high inflation is not sustainable. And if we want to compete in this crypto market, we have to sort of take an antithesis to many of our competitors, right? They are, they have VCs, they have token lockups, they have like hidden token allocations to the team. 40, 50% of the token supply is reserved to insiders and stuff like that. And then on the other side, you have Shimmer, which is 100% community owned, distributed to the community, focus on capturing the same market, right? And so I think, we also realize that in order to compete, we, we, we have to make different decisions, right? And the staking part is one of those where, of course, it would be nice to have 8% yield on the core protocol on the layer one, right? Then you do liquid staking where you can then use those staked assets in the DeFi ecosystem to generate even more yield. But the current market environment is focused more on sustainable yield. And you don't want to have these in, in insane feedback loops where in the end, you're just airdropping new tokens um, onto the existing token holders. And those tokens are basically just there to be sold as quickly as possible, right? So you saw yeah. like, it's like this, this death spiral for many of these projects. And we've seen it with some of them, like Helium. Like I, I, I really like Helium as a project, but the main sustainable yield that came from that, net, from that network was the staking rewards. And now mm -hmm. in a bear market, with the prices so low, people realize, hey, like my, my, my yield was actually not as high as it was supposed to be. And now, now they have a bunch of tokens that are, are, are decreasing in value. And you're basically hoping for a bull market to come back, right? I don't, yeah. I, I don't think that's how we want to position Shimmer, right? And, and that's why this fixed supply focus came really into, into focus with Shimmer. And the other major point, by the way, was the technical implementation. Because um, 
it, it would have take it, it would have diverted Shimmer from this technical roadmap of IOTA to integrate Shimmer. And Shimmer was initially really positioned as this innovation testbed where we can experiment on the protocol, where we can experiment with tokenomics and stuff like that. But I think at this point in time, we want to move forward to IOTA 2.0, right? Which is to remove your coordinate and all of that as fast as possible. So any everything in between that roadmap is sort of a distraction us so that's why we also decided to just scratch it for now and we can always think about bringing it back at the later point maybe maybe a small inflation two or three percent and stuff like that but i think those are then discussions to be had at the later point for sure for sure and even the discussions i saw the community lose their shit when um just the idea of an inflationary token model for iota was brought up oh well i don't like the idea I, i do like the philosophy that we should explore all ideas even if they're controversial. And then if you've got sound logic, you just fucking smash it, you know, with your with your argument. I, I, I like where things are at. Like, I feel confident where things are at. I want, I want, I want to, sorry, I just want to put one major point here because I think this is important for everybody in the community to realize, like, previously, the way that things were in IOTA is, there was very weird reasoning behind certain decisions, right? Like, why did we, why did we choose Winternet signatures? Why did we choose... To, to have like very complex algorithms, why did we choose to have this and that in the protocol, right? And I think it is important for all of us to question every single decision that happened in the past, because at this point in time, right, we are the most enlightened that we've ever been in this crypto space. Mm-hmm. Like think about 2017, nobody really knew about what applications were there for crypto. Everybody was shooting in, in the sky and, and chasing different use cases, different opportunities and stuff like that. And only now we really know what could potentially really be a, a promising path to adoption, which is DeFi, which is NFTs, which is GameFi. And everything else was sort of pushed, pushed, pushed aside because it just takes too long to get those things adopted, right? And I think yeah. we, we, we as a community, we have to be able to question these decisions that happened in the past. And of course, you can argue that they were part of the initial value proposition of IOTA that made people join it. But man, like we are in fucking crypto, right? Tomorrow looks very different than it looks today. Everything is constantly evolving. And unless we're willing to adapt to the market, IOTA is going to die, right? So we as a community, we have to be willing to question. We have to be willing to adapt and make these difficult decisions. Because only if we make difficult decisions, we are going to succeed in this market. And I want everybody in the community to realize that because we have made some very difficult decisions with Chrysalis, right? We, we, we decided to remove all the ternary bullshit, all the Winternet signature stuff, all the, all the crazy esoteric technologies in the protocol were removed. Now we are introducing real, real utility with smart contracts. We, we adopted the EVM and all of these things. And those are not easy decisions because you, you're investing a lot of time and resources to build these technologies, right? And so I think moving forward, we have to keep, keep on moving forward with that mindset because if we stay stagnant, um, we, we're not going to succeed in this market because the crypto market is just evolving so quickly right? and we have to adapt it and, and we have to be willing to, to make changes, even the most fundamental changes, right? If, they, if, they, if, if they're done with reason, with a good reason. Well, everything is, obviously. Yeah. And even by the sounds of what Hans was saying, it's discussed to the point of you know consensus with everyone you know yeah. um, within the foundation. Yeah. And I, I'm right on board. Thinking, I'm just thinking in terms of business. Yeah. You need to pivot. You need to pivot when new technologies emerge when different you know market conditions start to show their faces i mean the best example was with kodak they were presented with a digital camera and they turned it down thinking this will never take off people right. love to print out their photos and keep them and then i don't even know if you're old enough to know kodak now dom you know what i mean like they are dinosaurs in the in the photography industry so yeah yeah, yeah like this is this is a really strong piece of information to consider is that the direction needs to change depending on what's happening in the market. Exactly, exactly. I mean, think about 2020, right? We could have made the decision, no, we're going to double down on corporate adoption at this point. Mm. But uh, IOTA is, is only for the IoT. IOTA is only there to work with big companies. We don't care about our ecosystem necessarily. We as IOTA Foundation are going to build all that adoption. Right? That would have been a very different reality right now because I think mm-hmm. IOTA would, for sure. would, would not be relevant at all anymore. So you have to make these decisions, right? To, to get well, that's why you had ternary. That's why the ternary design was there, wasn't it? Wasn't it lighter weight in terms of how much energy is used on a chipboard if it's ternary? Wasn't that the idea behind it? Yeah, there was some. There were some interesting reasons behind uh, why why ternary for one, because the other co-founders wanted to build a ternary hardware and gin. Yeah, exactly. And through that, it could actually be fully accelerated, but that obviously yeah. never happened. And so things just took took a different turn. And so. I think in the end, everybody realized like we need to move away from this. Yeah. 
Yeah. And now look at it. You, you mentioned something before. So now we're innovating. Uh, you mentioned before NFT unchained data. I've got no idea what that is, Tom. Maybe if you, can you teach me a little bit? Yeah, of course. So basically you have an NFT standard today. And in that standard, you actually obviously have a reference to where the data is being stored. And where the data is stored is, is quite quintessential to the NFT, right? Because if you store it somewhere where the, where the NFT gets uh, deleted, you lose your NFT. So even though you have the token on-chain, the, the data that is being referenced has been deleted. Right. Mm-hmm. So for, for example, today, everybody use, or most of the projects use IPFS, which is a wonderful sort of data persistence layer. And it created this dependency on IPFS, right? So what we instead have done is that when you create an NFT, you have immutable data that you can store. And this is a, a few kilobytes where you can really store the image itself on chain, right? And you can mm-hmm. then secure it there. and with that, the NFT and its sort of precious attributes, right, are always stored on chain. They're not being referenced externally through an Excel source, but they're really stored on our ledger. So that means that they're really immutable. And when I sell you my NFT, you then have the, the attributes and mm. you can then really get access to them. And I think that's quite an innovative approach because this is really, really important for GameFi, right? Where you then mm-hmm. can have the attributes of, of what does this uh, skin actually look like? You store it on chain and then you can securely share it with others. And that can also include image data, right? It can be stored on chain. And what's the cost? I mean, does that mean that uh, the NFT uh, platform needs to sort of hold IOTA to be able to store all this NFT data? What's the cost for that? Yeah, exactly, exactly. So with the, with the Stardust um, upgrade, we have something called the storage deposit. And you can think about it like an economic, like it provides an economic incentive for for Shimmer token holders, because now those that want to mint new tokens, right, whether it's NFTs or or like uh, uh, tokens, assets, they have to put down a storage deposit. And the storage deposit is actually meant to make sure that the ledger itself, like the token ledger, cannot be spammed infinitely, right? But you actually need to put down uh, this deposit in order to mint your token. And that's true for those NFTs with the data. So you need to put down the the deposit. And if I then transfer this NFT to you and you have enough Shimmer tokens, then you will then keep it and I get back my storage deposit. That's why it's called a deposit, right? Right. Because it's not a fee. You're not going to burn those uh, tokens, but you're just going to hold it to secure your asset, right? Because there has to be some kind of, you need to tie the creation of new assets to the security of the protocol and the protocol is being secured with the Shimmer token. Oh, that's a, yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, it's spam control. And then when you're done, you get your, you yeah, get your exactly. deposit back. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. So before the times of Chrysalis, you know, the, the old way of thinking about what would raise the IOTA token price was simple supply and demand. You know, back then we thought, okay, there's a finite amount of IOTA. Um, you know, there'll be billions of machines that use IOTA and humans will use the token as well. And there'll be real-time use cases. There'll be economies that we don't even exist yet where humans and machines interact. And all these use cases will be so, the amount of them will be so high that the demand will be much, much greater than supply. And that's what makes the price go up. But now anyone who holds IOTA can mint their own shitcoin. The idea now is shifting that in order to use the mainnet for you know your bandwidth, you need to hold IOTA. And um, the incentive then will be, all right, so as I build, my app or as a lot of this new activity comes onto the ecosystem, there'll be a lot more people that need to hold IOTA in order to drive that bandwidth. So the scarcity now is because people are utilizing the system. Like that's what's creating scarcity and that's what will make the price go up. Am I right in that thinking? Did I use too many words or like, let me know in your own words what you think will make the price go up for IOTA? Like I think that's a perfect summary. I think one, one other important point to highlight as well is like previously, the Yoda Foundation was the primary sort of driver of adoption in our ecosystem, right? We were the ones that partnered with all the big companies because we had the reputation to do it. We had the people to do it and so on and so forth, right? And so the, the foundation itself was sort of the driver of innovation as well in our ecosystem. Yeah. Now with this new system, the foundation is only there to develop the core protocol and it's there to empower the builders, right? That's why the Swiss entity is so important so that we can give out grants that we can invest into education, events, marketing, whatever, right? To really help the ecosystem to grow. But the foundation itself is not there to build the applications, right? We, we, we don't want to compete with our ecosystem, but we want to give everything in our, in our power to support them. 
And instead, now we have this self-sustainable ecosystem around um, IOTA, around the foundation, which is then going to build the applications and is going to drive the adoption forward, right? That is why DeFi and all the, all the decentralized applications are so crucial because anybody can deploy a DAP, right? Anybody can uh, build a smart contract and can try get adoption for, the, for their application, which in turn helps the entire ecosystem. So the network effects that can be achieved through this, through this are tremendously different than the network effects of us working with single companies because that does not scale, right? For we sure, would, for we would sure, have yeah. to have a 1,000 person sales team just to <laughs> uh, get to the level of adoption of other protocols, right? Instead, if we have the community which is incentivized through the token, through the opportunities that are being offered, and through the support that we're giving them, then we are able to scale much, much faster with the adoption of IOTA. Mm. And obviously the token, as you mentioned, is, is, an, is a crucial part of that. Yeah, okay, good. Well, that, that, that kind of solidifies the ideas that I had as well. Yeah. Definitely does. And that's, that's kind of like what, yeah, my, what I've been saying, you know, on Spec Weekly is what will drive the price to go higher is uh, network utility because people need to hold it for the bandwidth. So. It's good that I'm not lying to people, so thank you for <laughs> confer confirming my, my line of thinking there. You're fact-checking yourself. I am, from the, from the authority himself. So yeah, it's good. Um, now, VCs and assembly. I saw a rumor, and again, back to the authority. You tell me if this is true or not. I saw a rumor that they've pulled out, um, and, I'm not, and I'm also not clear on the funding of it. Um, so if they are still in, you know, what we know is that they've pledged $100 million to to assembly. And there's something like 18 million that were initially don't or funded, and then more will come later. Um, can you give us more of an idea? You know, if the deal is still on the table, you know, are the assembly still uh, the assembly VCs still in the game, and uh, maybe how the funding is expected to roll in to the ecosystem over what time frame and and how you guys want to use that cash? Yes. So so none of them pulled out. <laughs> I think okay, great. <laughs> Good. Because we are almost in, in weekly contact with them. You know, awesome. they're all very excited about Shimmer and about them as something that's coming on IOTA. And um, this ecosystem funding, I think we we launched Assembly and IOTA and Shimmer basically at the end of the bear of the bull market and the beginning of a very uh, uncertain time, right? Mm -hmm. And so many of the VCs that we spoke with and we introduced them to the opportunities to, they basically told us that they have stopped doing any investments whatsoever right now. And they're waiting for the market to basically recover at the moment. And I think, I think that's a fair position to take because I think especially Q1 and Q2 of this year were, were riddled with so much uncertainty. And the good thing is that many of the applications in our ecosystem didn't really need that much funding or they were able to get funding also through the NFT projects, right, through the community and stuff like that. So I think some of the capital was definitely allocated to projects which will hopefully be announced in the in the like around the time of Shimmer, right? Mm -hmm. And some of the capital will be allocated once we're getting closer to, to having a, a bigger a bigger launch with, with assembly and stuff like that. So that $100 million was a pledge by them, you know, to, to really support the ecosystem. And so we're speaking with them right now about Shimmer, how we can work together on Shimmer and, and we'll see how that evolves. Yeah. So what, what were the initial selling points when you, when you engage with them and you talk to them about assembly? What do you sell them on? You know, what makes their nipples hard on? <laughs> so basically, it's, it's about creating a new ecosystem, and this ecosystem is obviously built around specific niche, right? DeFi, NFTs, and getting them to participate in 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 a new chain early on has tremendous value that can be created. Right? If you're early in a new layer one ecosystem, you will basically be able to capture all the value that's being created on top of that network, right? From the layer twos and from the, from the, from the dApps that are being built on top of it. And so Shimmer and like Shimmer will be the first network where you can really capture the, these opportunities because it is a layer one network. It has a DeFi ecosystem. It has dApps on top of it. And then the same can then be replicated later with Assembly and with IOTA. Mm -hmm. Okay. So it's about being early. Yeah. It's about having these opportunities that are impossible in other networks because all the other networks are so like established at this point, right? Yep. Yeah. There's such low volume in IOTA at the moment, or even Shimmer doesn't exist yet. But yeah, it's definitely that's why I see it as a big pamp opportunity. In all honesty. Oh gosh, it's so exciting, man. Well, the story of my brother—he was going to get my PlayStation One modded with a chip, and um, 
I knew he was going to get it for me and he's going to give it to me in Christmas. But he told me three months before Christmas that he what he was going to do. Every fucking day, man, I was just waiting. I had Tekken 2, like just in my eyeballs, man. I just wanted to play it so bad. And like, it, it felt like I was counting the minutes until I got that, you know, modded PlayStation 1. And that's how I feel right now about Shimmer. Like every day I wake up just wondering if today will be the day. <laughs> well, having said that, Dom, uh, do you have any ETAs for, <laughs> for the community about Shimmer? So, so basically about Shimmer, right? Like I'm, I'm the same as you, right? For me, this is also like early 2017 IOTA where you have a very incredible opportunity. And of course, we are sort of in a, in a down market or in a bear market, actually. Um, but the biggest opportunities in the bear market are new layer one networks that are launching, right? Because they are they're able to capture so much value through the ecosystem that launches on top. And I think if all of us really work together on, on growing Shimmer ecosystem, building on top of Shimmer, creating content and creating awareness for it, I think we'll be very, very successful with the Shimmer network. And, and that's sort of my personal objective at the moment, right? Like I'm, I'm really trying to focus nearly full-time on, on the strategy around Shimmer and making sure that we are as successful as possible. Because I think all of us need to success as well, right? Free, free airdrop to the community. And, and so uh, let's, let's, do some, let's do some damage with Shimmer, <laughs> right? Um, in terms of ETAs, um, I don't think I can really share, like what we will do, <laughs> What we will do is yeah. we're actually going to share ETAs once they're finalized, right? And okay. the finalized ETAs are, are going to be uh, discussed with our launch partners, right? For, for okay. Shimmer. So once we have that, we'll definitely share that. So everybody in anticipation knows, knows what's going to happen. I respect it. I had, I had to ask for the community, though. So <laughs> I, I, respect, I respect the answer. So I know there are NDAs, okay? We, we know there are NDAs and you can't say names of partners and whoever you're working with, but you know, how about this, okay? Please listen carefully to this list of companies, okay? Ready? Apple, Samsung, Tesla, Meta, Sony, PayPal, Microsoft, Amazon, Tencent, BMW, and Toyota. Okay, so out of that list, <laughs> have any of them reached out to the IOTA Foundation within the last 12 months? Um, I don't actually know. I think some of them definitely did. Damn, boy! But but we have to keep in mind, right? Like, which rumor we want to focus on grassroots adoption through the ecosystem and the community. So even if those big companies are interested in it, I don't think it would actually add any value to Shimmer. Gotcha. It's a, it kind of goes, yeah, yeah. It goes against what we were just talking about. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, these are all like long-term projects where in the future because if you work like the hypothesis that we always had is like if you work with a big company and they have this incredibly big infrastructure already out there yeah. you're able to get like thousands of dps just from from several use cases with one company right yeah but getting to that point takes incredible amount of time and investment six years <laughs> yeah yeah i know what you mean we should first focus on our own ecosystem really growing that to to incredible new heights and then afterwards we can continue on with the corporate adoption where iota is perfectly positioned mm. by it so yeah no and i think that's something that we've we've all got to sort of start to get familiar with and start to get comfortable with that idea as well that uh, the adoption isn't going to come through a big tech company a big 20 tech company it's going to come through mainly you know the uh the, 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 at the pleb level people like me using yeah. the system for, for whatever, for DeFi, for NFT, for gaming, for whatever. Exactly. So I think um, the more we hear that message, probably the more used to it we get and the more excited we get about growing things from the ground level, like you've just been saying, yeah. and kind of relying less on others to do that adoption work for us, you know, exactly. to be involved exactly. in that adoption work. Like, like there's nothing more empowering than having your own smart contracts ecosystem. Mm. Because with that, we can just build anything that we want, right? If you want to build a bounty system for people that are very active on the community, you can do it, right? Yeah. If you yeah. want to build the new DeFi innovations, you can do it, right? The, the power is our hands. And we are now really capable of building and capable of innovating without asking for permission, right? And so mm. we have to realize this opportunity and, and make the best of it. Yeah, for sure. Sure. And I think that's the new kind of attitude that uh, more of us in the community are taking now is it's kind of like getting involved. Yeah. Dude, well, like I was on the sideline. I, me personally, I was on the sideline for three and a half years, you know, watching. What made you What made you be active? Like what, what was the reasoning behind that? Uh, well, I first got active with a Wikipedia page. So I was part of that final push that finally got it published. Very nice. um, but, 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 you know, he's not there anymore, but there, there was a guy called Breeple, um, B-R-E, a-K-L-E. You'll, you'll see his name a lot in the um, in the Wikipedia channel. So he did that final push that really got the page published. Um, whereas I got kind of caught up in arguing with the editors, man. It was weird, dude. Like, if you can imagine, 
on Wikipedia, it was this guy that hated all cryptocurrency or blockchain and where they're trying to get IO published. And he would just, every step of the way, give us a reason why the article read in a biased way. So we would have to go back, make it objective, blah, 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 and then just keep asking him, what's your problem with it now? So I just got, he, he accused me of being a paid chill and then, oh, you know. But yeah, but eventually we got it published. So that's when I first got involved. I always wanted to contribute, but I'm non-technical, so I can't develop and blah, blah, blah. So that's why my first thing was Wikipedia. And then the second push was when Chris um, pulled back and, and stopped making the IO Weekly videos. And I was like, you know what? I'll make a spec weekly. And um, yeah, it was, it was a joke, dude. <laughs> it was a joke. <laughs> and then the guys were really supportive. And I said, you know what? I'll keep doing it. And now it's um, kind of getting a little bit of momentum. And it's, uh, yeah, it's, uh, I'm enjoying doing it. No, that's really awesome. Like, you know, like the, the, the most beautiful moments for us, like, you know, like we're working 24 7 on this stuff, right? And the, the most beautiful moments that I really cherish are when like new projects just pop up in the community, right? Mm. They yeah. never reach out to me, they never reach out to anybody in the foundation. They just take the tools and they just build on top of IOTA, right? Mm. Or on top of Shimmer now. And this just really means that we're on the right track because this yes, is so, sure. so yeah comforting to know that there's other people that realize the potential and are building on top of it and at the moment we have like 62 64 dApps that are publicly announced i think there's another 10 to 15 dApps that are sort of in secret at the moment uh, ready for the shimmer launch so mm. that just really shows you that our community is one of the biggest in the crypto space right and mm. and they're, they're absolutely loyal and I'm, I'm a huge fan uh, of the community and that's why i also participate a lot in the discussions uh yeah, I, I love seeing your name pop up, dude. Like it's 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 crazy seeing your name pop up in spec. I'm just like, ah, oh, dance here. It's um, you know, to someone who doesn't understand, maybe that's listening now. It's the equivalent of a CEO in a, in a really big company coming down to the mailroom and having a chat with the people that are sorting the mail in the mail. Like that's how it feels to me. You know what I mean? Like then, yeah, like it's it's really nice. I mean, everything else will be boring because I'm I'm also only doing stuff that excites me and that's fun for me. You know? Yeah. And, yeah. and for me, like I I I really got bored at one point. It's just like speaking with big companies as well and doing these presentations. Like for example, I stopped doing presentations, like going to conferences right. and stuff like that, because it's just simply too boring and I'm too antisocial <laughs> mm. for, for these things. So after parties and drinks, I get anxious being in your position, man. I wouldn't be able to do it, but um, I don't need to do it. It's <laughs> part of your expectations. Dude, I was watching you on the New York Stock Exchange channel. I remember you went to New York in what, 2020 or something. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, holy crap, what's going on? Oh, what happened there? What, what, what was that about? Um, there was an interview that I did about with Cheddar with, uh, I think it was about Libra at the time. Oh, so yeah. Yeah. they invited me to talk about it, which was pretty cool. So, um, Don, we've been talking for freaking ages, man. Um, look, I, I just want to say that I still had more questions, but, uh, you know, like, we, we can't keep going forever. Um, look, uh, I really believe in the foundation and the majority of our community do, man. And, you know, sometimes criticism is warranted, but, um, Plenty of the time it's not. And, and when it's delivered in a way that is kind of not constructive, you know, I just hope it doesn't get to you guys. And, you know, if there's anyone else in the foundation that's listening to this as well, you know, um, I just want you to know from a lot of us that, you know, we have your back and you've got our overwhelming support with, with what you guys are doing because we understand it's for our benefit at the end of the day. I just want to say a big thank you to you, especially you, Dom, and a big thank you to the foundation. You know, these years right now before the huge successes is what we look back upon and, and, and smile about, you know, that, that yeah, struggle. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, no, thank you. And I think a, a huge thank you is really to that Yoda team because they are, they're really there to work day and night to, to deliver starters and launch a Shimmer network. And they've really done a tremendous job with the, with the entire protocol upgrade. And it feels and looks amazing, you know, when you do your first transaction, I think it confirms in a couple of seconds and you mint your tokens, your NFTs, and you transact. And I think... Uh, very soon, the Shimmer EVM will also go live on the network, so we can experiment with that. And so, they've really done a tremendous job. And so, I'm, I'm really, I'm really grateful to be working with all of them, and to be on this journey. Because I think one thing that I've also realized early on is that life is all about the journey, right? And of course, you can have goals of wealth, of uh, power, and stuff like that. But once you actually attain that, you're asking, what's next, right? So, yeah, so it's like an sure. endless pursuit. That is not going to make you happy and so instead of trying to uh, picture the goal end goal in your mind i think it's all about picturing the journey and life is all about the journey and who you share the journey with right and so i think the yoda team is really a tremendous um asset and the companion on this journey leader in this journey right and the community right and so i, re I really love this sort of setup where it's us working together or where it's not about the community asking, hey, what is the foundation going to do? When is the next announcement? But it's really yeah. about projects in the ecosystem announcing stuff and pushing things out. And that just means that we are 
realizing this vision of IOTA together. And that's how it should be, right? So yeah. Yeah, for sure. Dom, that's um that's a wrap, you know. Just again, thank you on behalf of uh Thomas who's out right now looking for a Lambo, you know, he's just doing a little bit of window shopping. And um no, just really thank you for the opportunity as well to have a chat, dude. This is a nice moment for me as well, having been around for so long to to have a chat with you. It's it's um been a really nice man and I've learned a lot today and I hope uh my questions didn't bore the people out there listening and I uh, I can't wait till we catch up in real life, dude, and I can shake your hand and buy you a beer. Yeah. And, and thank you for everything that you're doing and, and the interview I think it was really fun uh, thank you alright well that's a wrap and uh, until next time uh, $4 EOY <laughs> <laughs> see you later guys thank you <laughs>